We're in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Let's just pray before we begin. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that is in it, for the power that is in it. Thank you, Lord, that uh, it has endured through all of these centuries and that it speaks to us now. Um, Open us, Lord, to receive. Amen. Starting with verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, reading through verse 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Amen. So this morning I want us to focus on uh, the unity and the purpose of the church. You know, um, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, Ephesians 4, they all describe the church, uh, the body of Christ, as a body of Christ, uh, that we are all connected as the hands and feet of Jesus. So our passage today describes us as a building, a spiritual house, all connected together as living stones. Jesus wants us to see ourselves as vital parts of one body or one building with different gifts and functions, all glorifying God. Today's passage calls us a a bunch of living stones, and again, we have our own cut, we have our own shape, but we're all connected in Christ, the cornerstone. Can't miss the picture here that if we're each connected to Christ, then we are necessarily each connected to the other, right? To each other. There's 2.2 billion of us in the world who claim Christ. That's the church. We're all connected. Different stones, all cemented together. No getting around it, as a group of Christians all over the world, we are unnecessarily stuck with each other. You know, I have a friend, a brother in Christ, who teases me sometimes. He says, you know, I can't believe I have to spend eternity with you. The main idea here is that we belong to God. We are precious to God. We're being transformed to be a holy priesthood, right? This is where we get the priesthood of all believers, 
As one body or one building, we are each being built into that priesthood as we live and work closely together. So, how do a bunch of stones work together? I brought along a couple of stones with me here today. These are lifeless stones, right? This is a piece of granite from Osaki County. And um, this is from the UP, quite a distinctive piece of limestone all, all carved out. So, both of them are they're hard. They're stones. They're inflexible. They're heavy. They're hard to carry for any distance. And if we left one in a pathway, they might even be a tripping hazard. On the other hand, they are distinctive. They're beautiful in their own way. They don't argue or complain when they're put to work. When properly cemented into a wall, they are sturdy, dependable, supportive, and integrated into a whole. And you've seen buildings, right? You've seen walls that have been around for thousands of years. Our text today calls Jesus a living stone, a living cornerstone that provides a foundation for all other stones. That's not the end of the story. You and I are also described as living stones being built into a spiritual house, grounded in Christ. So what's the difference between a living stone and a lifeless stone? Along with being dependable and supportive, the living stone also walks and talks and thinks and feels. Living stones declare the praises of God. Living stones bring light into the darkness wherever we go. Through God's mercy, we've been changed from dead to alive, from thick as a brick to a living stone. You know, our scripture today, Peter is using a contrast to show the difference between the life of believers and unbelievers. He said that believers honor Christ and unbelievers trip over him. Believers obey Christ and unbelievers disobey. Believers walk in the light and unbelievers walk in the darkness. Believers are a royal priesthood in Christ and unbelievers are displaced and disconnected. Believers have received mercy and unbelievers have not receive mercy. Believers are strangers in the world and unbelievers belong to the world. So what do you think? You'd be able to tell the difference between a Christ follower and an unbeliever in the first century? Would they stand out? Could you see it? Peter says you can tell them apart by the way that they love and forgive and respect each other. Christians can be seen by the way they practice obedience to the Lord and, and mercy to other people. Peter says you can tell them apart because believers are strangers in this world and unbelievers belong to the world. Now I have to admit, the scripture is a bit challenging for me. Because <clears throat> I sometimes still find it difficult to tell one from the other. Even myself when I look in the mirror. I know that the church is a royal priesthood and that heaven is our real home, but I really like my comforts in this world. Yeah, when it comes to enjoying my comforts, I don't look much different 
than the rest of the world. So how would somebody spot me out as a Christ follower in a crowd? How would they know? Oh, he's one of them. Do I even want to stand out and be noticed as one of them? So after this beautiful and compelling picture of what a holy church could be, we see Peter's call for the church to be all that it can be. In verses 11 and 12, Peter warns the people of God to focus on Jesus and abstain from the ways of the world. This message is as true today as it was for the early church. At first look, you're probably not going to see much difference between Christ followers and world followers But a little interaction with the world is going to make some things clearer to us. See, Peter's message was a reminder of who we are in Christ, the genuine us that he made us to be. It's also a reminder of where we came from. Without the mercy of God, we're as lost and hopeless as the rest. The one thing that matters is that we keep our eyes on Jesus. You know, Dallas Willard... um, author, wrote a book a while back called The Spirit of the Disciplines. He describes us, Christ followers, as a lively piece of clay. I like that definition, that description, because it grounds us to our source. We find our belonging, our energy, our purpose in Christ. A lively piece of clay lends itself nicely to the picture of how God is building his spiritual house of living stones. A lively piece of clay can do amazing things through Christ, but can do nothing on its own. Living a life of love in Christ requires some humble molding of our persons and some expressive stewardship of our lives. Verse 5 of our text today says that we're becoming a holy priesthood, right? The priesthood of all believers. That we're offering... Spiritual sacrifice is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what's Peter talking about here? What kind of spiritual sacrifices make the church stand out in the world as a holy priesthood? What kind of sacrifices make you and I a lively piece of clay to the rest of the world? You know, if you you do a little study on spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God... You will find among them these four. The sacrifice of lips, life, loot, and love. So let's just look at those for a minute. The sacrifice of lips, also known as a sacrifice of praise, found in many parts of Scripture. And it is the intentional act of keeping God first in all that we say and do. Every time you open your mouth and praise to God, whether you are... Yeah, doing a song, a prayer, teaching, testimony, right? Making an, an offering acceptable through Christ. Whenever we do that, Christ is honored, God is honored, and people are blessed by us. Whenever we praise God verbally, something changes in our hearts. I do jail ministry at the Masaki Jail four or five times a year. I'm on a schedule with several other churches. We go in and the inmates come in and sit at a table and, and we just talk uh, for a while, share some scripture, talk, see what's going on in their lives. But I always like to start with a hymn. And um, 
And so <laughs> the atmosphere in that room changes immediately when we start praising, right? Even if they're not singing, even if only one or two of us is singing, the atmosphere changes because we got our eyes off of ourselves and we got it on Jesus. Praise does that. It changes something in our hearts. It takes our hearts and minds off our troubles, fills us with goodness, fills us with faithfulness and mercy. In praise, Jesus is right in front of us again. We can't ignore him. We can't set him off to the side. He's right there. Praying out loud over a meal in a restaurant, that puts Jesus in front of other people too, right? Probably are familiar with that. <clears throat> you know, um, I was part of Friends Ministry for quite a long time, uh, and um, we have a thrift store there in Lake City. And uh, I remember years ago at the checkout counter, the Friends Ministry thrift store, um, it became a place of prayer. When customers shared their hearts with the cashiers, my, my wife can attest to that. She was a cashier there for a while. And people would come up, and you could tell that they were hurting over something, and, and she just felt prompted to pray with them. Can I pray with you? <laughs> Almost no one refuses a heartfelt prayer. That's a living stone, right? So, If the Holy Spirit is prompting us to pray, it is very appropriate to offer a prayer for whoever we are with. The next one on the list of sacrifices is the sacrifice of life, also called the sacrifice of body. Coming from Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as spiritual sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So our bodies, our life, it includes our five senses as well as our mind and our time, our attitudes, our sexuality, our emotions, all of those are part of our life, part of our body. You... Uh, you don't have to look very far to realize that we live in a world now that really honors self above everything else. Author Mark Laberton, in a book called The Dangerous Act of Worship, says it this way. The most popular idol in our culture is the idol of self. I am the center of things, and I try to make the world do obeisance and pay its price to me. This primary idol is virulent, autonomous, distinctly North American. It's more entitlement than arrogance and pride. I should get to feel, be, and do what I want, when I want, and how I want to do it. The idol of self can be broken into various and constituent parts. This is my body, my abilities, my feelings, my choices, my perspective, and my needs. Got to get our eyes on Jesus. Whenever we put love before self, people notice. You stand out. Whenever we serve and give without needing any recognition, we look different from the rest of the world. The third spiritual sacrifice on the list is loot or possessions. 
This is the sharing of our goods and food and services with those in need. Stands out in the world as generosity as opposed to reciprocity. Both generosity and reciprocity are valid and valuable to our society, but they're quite different. Generosity gives without expecting anything in return. Luke 6 explains this very well. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Reciprocity, on the other hand, is the language of business and deal-making. It involves negotiation and expectation and obligation. If I do something nice for you, then you are obligated to reciprocate. Reciprocity is an important part of our society, but it is not generosity. Finally, we arrive at the sacrifice of love. This is where a bunch of independent stones get cemented together in one spiritual house. We stand out in the darkness with the light of joy and sincerity and harmony and hospitality, right? Yeah, what passage is it that says, live in harmony with each other? Somewhere Romans 12, I think. And I think about 2.2 billion people in the world who say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Are we living in harmony? What does harmony even look like with 2.2 billion people all across the world? Yeah. So, whenever we exercise patience, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit, we're distinct from the world around us. We look different. It's obvious that we care more about God's presence than our own preferences. As God's chosen people walking in the light of Christ, we are learning to see the world with new eyes. We know that this life on earth is short. We know we're strangers here. We're also lovers of, of the world, lovers in the world. We're insulated, but we're not isolated from it. We see it as a privilege to love God, love people, baptize, and disciple people. Those are the four things, right, that mark the church. Those are the four things that Jesus said before he left. Love God, love people, baptize, and disciple. If the church is doing that, it stands out. So I wanted to just uh, use, use a little testimony here, uh, just returning from a mission trip in the DR, right? I see Cindy's not here today, but she was part of our team while we were there. Um, I can tell you that God is busy building his spiritual house there as well. Although the language and the customs are a little different than ours, the unity and the purpose of the church is the same, to glorify God. I want to thank you for your donations. They allowed us to accomplish our tasks of building two houses for single moms with kids, building a 30 by 45 church for Creole-speaking Haitians, right? This is a group of Haitians living in the DR. Uh, The pastor of that church only speaks Creole. He doesn't even speak Spanish. So when we were at a little dedication service for the church, 
we had to have translation from Creole into Spanish into English in order for those of us standing there to know what was being said. We, um, we drilled eight new water wells. We were going to drill nine, but one of those water wells, the people couldn't decide where to put it. There was a land dispute. So we said, all right, well, you guys settle that. We'll catch you next year. We repaired a bunch more wells. It hadn't been there in three years, and so there were a lot of wells that weren't working and uh, went around and did a lot of repair, got people water again. Um, we distributed a dozen new sewing machines and did some teaching classes. And best of all, we got to worship. We got to go to church services with our brothers and sisters there. A church service there has all the parts that we have here, but it is loud, really loud. So loud that I turn my hearing aids off and they work as earplugs. I can still hear. Yeah, it's lively. It's engaging. People of the congregation just get up and give a song or a testimony or a prayer, however the Spirit moves them. Did I mention that the preaching is loud? <laughs> it's repetitive, it's animated, and it's without notes, right? If you look at your notes, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the way they look at it. So I'd never cut it as a preacher in the DR. One thing that made us, uh, or one of the things that made us living stones standing out in their culture uh, was that these, these folks were willing to partner with other churches in doing community outreach. Pastor Noe, he's, um, he's a, a local pastor of a CRC church in Monte Plata. He, he partnered with one of a, of a local uh, Pentecostal pastor to build a house for this homeless mom. Uh, just a little bit of structure here. Um, Project Canefire has three pastors that we meet with every time we go, right? And we ask them, before we come on a trip, we ask them, find us a project, right? You each got a project, somebody in need in your community, find us a project. You know what those needs are far better than we do. So they do that. They find us a project. So that's why we had two houses and a church, right? Because each, each of the three pastors found us a project. So <clears throat> Pastor Noe knew that a single mom from his church with five children was living in a shack at the bottom of a dirt street that flooded every time it rained. This mom, Julie I think her name was, asked Pastor Noe to fix her house so that the water would stop running right in her door. The door was set up so that this dirt road, street, all the water would run down and run right into her door. Yeah. So she wanted her house fixed, and he told her he was afraid to put a nail in it because it might fall down. By the time we got there, the old shack was gone and the new foundation was already laid. There was a cement slab there. The door openings of the house had been repositioned to avoid the, the street's water flooding in. And we built a 21 by 21 house with wood siding and a tin roof. Cement floor, wood siding, tin roof, no walls. I think there's six windows and two doors, plenty of ventilation, right? That's home. That's a very nice home in this neighborhood. 
So once a decision was made to build the house for this family, the people of the Pentecostal church across the street took in the mom with five kids while the old shack was being removed and the new one was built. It took about a month. They just said, yeah, you're not a member of our church, but you've got a need and you're in our neighborhood, so we'll take in you and your kids. Come on, live with us for about a month. In addition, that Pentecostal pastor did the foundation work for us and volunteered, showed up to just help us build the house. So these two churches, right, the CRC church and the Pentecostal church, working side by side, loving their neighbor, this sent an incredible message to the community that they were one in Christ. Those foundation blocks that the house is built on is a picture of the living stones that build our spiritual house. Communities saw a sacrifice of lips and life and loot and love as North American believers from a variety of different churches sent money and people and goods and time and skills and became living stones working right alongside the church that was already there. people notice. So, we don't do sacrifices the same way we used to in the Old Testament, right? We don't, we don't bring our animals to slaughter and <clears throat> try to pay for our sins anymore. We, we have the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that paid it all. However, because God so loved the world... We also love the world. We can't help it. We're unified into one body, one spiritual building, one faith. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God. Our spiritual sacrifices made acceptable in Christ declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We stand out in the world as different because <laughs> God said so. We can expect God to keep pursuing us with his love, his grace, his truth until the day that he takes us home. His relentless loving intrusion becomes our soy, source of love and joy and peace, all the fruit of the Spirit. We just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Not get distracted by all the stuff that would call us away. In closing, I, I want to share a prayer from a different book. Uh, same author, Mark Laberton, but a different book. Um, this prayer describes what I believe is a pretty fully mature Christian life. Um, a life of love. So, um, I'm not saying that I have achieved this. <laughs> I'm a long way from this. But it's a great description of what we're becoming. Pray with me. Father, take my time, take my money, take my power, take my powerlessness, take my weariness, take my fears, take my tongue. Take my questions. All that I have and all that I don't have are all in your hands, Lord. Amen.
Father, as we uh, <clears throat> just move on to the next part of our, uh, our service here, we just receive your spirit as you pour it out. We are yours. We belong to you. Fill us. Renew us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.